coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Monday to you, February 27, 2023. I, are we yet used to saying 2023? And yet here we are almost two months into it, like a sixth of the way through the calendar year. How are you doing? Uh, as we kind of got rolling this morning, uh, doing our, our Monday things, getting the work week started, uh, as many of you did, the Georgia Senate got busy themselves, uh, busy pushing through uh, two measures to accomplish a goal that I'm not sure there are that many people that want it, especially those within the limits of the area we're talking about. I'm speaking about the Buckhead City movement. It would be the city of Buckhead City because there's already a Buckhead, Georgia, uh, out towards Madison, Georgia, in the middle of. Uh, anyway, uh, this Senate committee voted along partisan lines to uh, back the Buckhead City Hood measures. There are two separate measures. Uh, one is uh, SB 114, which provides a lot of the details for the proposed city of Buckhead City. SB 113 allows for the transfer of government services and facilities from Atlanta to a newly formed municipality. And it's quite a deal if you can get it. SB 113 is such a fleecing of the city, by the way. Whereas, according to Zipia.com, an acre of land in the state of Georgia costs, on average, $14,242. You're hearing me right. $14,242 for an acre of land, on average, in the state of Georgia. The bill would let a future Buckhead City buy Chastain Memorial Parks for just $100 an acre. Not 1400 not 14000 the average in the state of Georgia, $100 an acre. The Atlanta fire stations that would fall within the Buckhead City limits would go for $5,000 each. Is that including the trucks? I mean, the equipment on one of those trucks is more than... It's insane. Um, buildings, including schools, would go for $1,000 each. What a fleecing. I mean, it's bad enough that the future city of Buckhead City would take a huge chunk of property tax revenue from the city of Atlanta. The ultimate insult is to think that they're going to turn over fire stations for $5,000 when there are trucks in those fire stations that are worth 40 times that already. Unreal, right? And $100 an acre for Chastain Park? Dude, stop. This is, in, this is insulting. But that's not all, y'all. You remember last week when I was talking about the whole Buckhead City thing and unanswered questions like, uh, well, is the future city of Buckhead City going to take its portion of Atlanta's debt service with them? Well, that question came up in a Senate committee already. Listen to this. Our friend and Buckhead resident, actually his Senate footprint covers Buckhead. Jason Estevez had questions for Randy Robertson, who is the author of these two bills, who's from Catala, Georgia. Catala's closer to Alabama. <laughs> than it is to Buckhead. It's closer to Opelika, Alabama. It's closer to Montgomery, Alabama, than it is to Buckhead and Atlanta. 
Anyway, Jason Estevez had questions for Randy Robertson, author of these two bills, to try and form a Buckhead City. First, listen to Randy's opening statement, which is kind of laughable when you hear the rest of the back and forth. I do not uh, live in Buckhead or what's going to be Buckhead City. That's right, Randy. This is not some willy-nilly idea that a bunch of individuals came up with and just threw out there and said, we want to create our own city, and we don't have any idea how we're going to do it. Senator Estevez of Buckhead with a question for the sponsor and co-sponsor of this legislation. Has there been any conversation with Fulton County about this? I don't, there's no conversation that I know of, Senator. Again, last week I asked about Atlanta's debt. Is Buckhead going to pay its portion of Atlanta's established debt? What about um, the fact that this bill covers general obligation bonds? What about revenue bonds? It, co- it covers the general ob- obligation bonds and not the revenue bonds. So the city of Atlanta has other bonds aside from the general obligation bond that Buckhead residents pay into. What about that debt? Would this bill cover that debt? I couldn't. I cannot answer that question. I have. I have a bond lawyer who wrote the Spartan. That that's beyond my knowledge on that one, Senator. Okay. And then there's the whole voter participation thing. Um, what about the residents, y'all? Special tax districts require the vote of the majority of a of a voting population. It can't be done through legislation, according to the Constitution. How does this bill account for that? I would, I'd have to defer to legislative counsel on that piece. All these pertinent questions for the Buckhead City movement, and yet remember Randy Robertson from Catala, Georgia, told that Senate subcommittee. And like I said, this is not something that came about in the past three weeks, 21 days or whatever. This is something that, that individuals have been working on for over three years now. I heard a lot of awful, I don't know the answer to that question for an organization or a movement that's been working on this for three years. Of all the sponsors and co-sponsors, there's like eight in total. They all come from places called Catala, Alpharetta, Noonan, my hometown of Grovetown, Tyrone, Statesboro, Cordell, and Norcross. None from Buckhead. None from Atlanta at all. Crime data since COVID shows that crime is actually on the decline, not just in Buckhead, but in all of Atlanta. So why are these... Senators who aren't from Atlanta or Buckhead, even bringing this up again. We asked Senator Estevez that when he was on the show February 9th. So once again, we're faced with this Buckhead City movement. And what I don't understand is why a guy from Catala, Georgia, who is nowhere near Buckhead, is somehow interested in bringing this up again. Uh, You obviously serve the area of Northwest Atlanta and uh, that portion of Fulton County and Southeast County. Why is this coming up again, and why is it not coming from someone who actually serves the Buckhead community? Well, it's coming up again because there's a minority of a uh, small group of residents that that are loud and they're well resourced that continue to um, to hit the drum, bang the drum. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is that is the concept of Buckhead City. Uh, the the reality is, is that the vast majority of people in in Buckhead, uh, which I represent, uh, most of Buckhead, don't want to separate from the city. Mm. What they really want are, are uh, some issues addressed, uh, like crime, 
uh, like city services, uh, like just generally increasing quality of life. Those are issues that all of Atlanta is interested in. <laughs> it's yeah. just not, it's just not uh, folks in Buckhead. Yeah. Um, so what we see is that this small group of folks are leveraging their political contacts um, to to make political statements, and that's what I see this bill really being. It's it's more of a political statement, uh, a distraction of the real issues, unfortunately. And what we're going to do, and when I say we, I mean the the sen state senators that actually represent Buckhead. There's three of us: uh -huh. myself, Josh McLaurin, and Sonia Halpern. What we're going to be focused on is is pointing out the deficiencies. Uh, that are in the Buckhead City bill, uh, like the fact that it doesn't address schools and what will happen to families uh, who have their children in, in Atlanta public schools. It doesn't, uh, it gives the, the mayor, the proposed mayor and the six person city council outrageous salaries. I know I was going to move to Buckhead to run for city council when I saw that number. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be they would be amongst the highest paid, if not the highest paid city council members and mm -hmm. mayor uh, in the state, even though the population would not match that. Um, and, and so we're going to call out some deficiencies and then we're going to do the obvious, which is highlight the fact that what folks really want to be talking about is how to, uh, how to keep our families safe and how to make sure that their schools uh, are good and that they're living in communities that, are walkable and uh, stable and, and places where anyone would want to live. And that's ultimately what we all want. Right. This to me is, is, is a lot like a, a hungry cowboy looking at his horse and going, man, I could sure take a bite out of that. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> the, the cowboy's not getting anywhere without a healthy horse, right? Right. Yeah. I said it before and I'll say it again. This is a lazier form of white flight. And don't think that this isn't something that if passed and happens to Buckhead and Atlanta, won't happen throughout the rest of the state. The folks in West Augusta, my hometown of Augusta, Georgia, they're licking their chops ready to detach from the city of Augusta and uh, detach themselves from any obligation for those revenue bonds to pay off debts that they, as citizens of that former city they're leaving, were part of incurring. It's just comedic, and this is a conservative movement. Make no mistake about it. This is a conservative movement that would like to detach themselves from the city that they helped create the debt for, and then will brag about their fiscal solvency. Suburban conservative counties do it now, and yet, where'd y'all come from? These folks are ill-prepared, and I don't think it'll pass, but we didn't think that Brexit would make it either, and here we are. More Ron Show on America One Radio after this. Oh, hey, you're still here. Hey, that's cool. Thanks for sticking around. Not only am I host of The Ron Show, I'm also Ron Roberts, real estate agent slash realtor with EXP Realty. That's right. I help folks buy and sell residential real estate in and around Metro Atlanta. And we've been through a crazy couple of years, have we not? Between COVID, the post-COVID market, the craziness. You could throw an open house on a souped up tool shed and you would have cars lined around the block to come in and see it and throw an offer well over asking price. Well, those days are no longer a part of us and interest rates are a little higher than they were before. But I must say, it's still a great time to either buy or sell or both real estate, residential real estate in Metro Atlanta. Why buy? I tell tenuous buyers all the time, if you are renting right now, 
You are paying someone else's retirement accounts your money, and it might as well go to you. The cost of housing in Atlanta is not going to get cheaper. The population is going to continue to grow well into the 2040s, with nearly a million and a half new residents expected to come here. So you better get a house sooner rather than later. And if you can afford to buy an investment property, now if you already own your home, why not buy one nearby you as well and create some additional income that could be your retirement savings and you get to choose one of your new neighbors. Now, if you're thinking about selling, but you're thinking, oh man, I really missed out on that huge market in the past summer or two. Okay, yeah, sure. But the values aren't dropping. So you still got plenty you've earned just by owning what you're in and need to sell soon. Got questions? Feel free to hit me up. 843-283-0078 or email me ron at rononthereal.com. Georgia MLS 396-720. Website rononthereal.com. That's me, Ron Roberts with EXP Realty. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. It's just funny, is it not, to watch as Georgia State Republicans try to insist that they know from far away what needs to happen in other localities, other counties, other municipalities. This is the same cult, the same party, the same political movement that likes to tell Washington, they always talk about Washington like it's this mysterious group of outsiders, like a political Illuminati or something. <laughs> they, they think that, air quotes here, Washington bureaucrats need to butt out of state business and let us handle things ourselves when it comes to federal overreach on the state level. But let the state bureaucrats from Catala and Grovetown and Noonan and Waycross and Norcross, let them have at it when it comes to what happens in Buckhead, Atlanta, Georgia. Never mind that the majority of folks in this drawn-out section of what would be Buckhead city limits keep voting for representatives that say they're not for a Buckhead city. The three state senators that represent Buckhead... All three are against this. So the people have already spoken, except the well-heeled minority inside that Buckhead City has some powerful friends from far away from Buckhead City in the state Senate pushing this measure. But they're not the outsiders, y'all. But this isn't just a Buckhead thing. I don't know if you followed this story, but Cobb County is a majority blue county now. North of Atlanta, Stacey Abrams has carried it her last two elections. Joe Biden won it. Hillary Clinton won it. It is a blue county with a 3-2 Democrat to Republican commission. And yet, the (sighs) redistricting handled at the legislative level has redistricted Cobb County and literally drawn one of the commissioners out of the district she's been elected to serve in the middle of of her term. Her name is Jerrica Richardson. We had her on early in the Ron Show's opening weeks and months. It's um, it's certainly been an, been an interesting time here in Cobb County. And, uh, you know, the area that I do represent is, is, is quite the mixture mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about its diversity in all the immeasurable ways, including political diversity. And so um, after this past year's election, you know, there was, there was a certain, 
I'll, I'll put it this way. There was a response mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that began to, to manifest in different ways on behalf of the state legislature uh, from statehood bills that the community did not ask for down to the new commission maps. And um, it, it presented some very interesting scenarios for the county. Right. So, yeah, but they, they, they have the, they have the authority. Um, to draw the maps, and they do. They, they can draw them at any time um, for both the state legislature and the county commission. And because you represent county residents and you understand that the, the, the weight has shifted slightly blue in that county, how, how do you, as uh, an elected representative of the county or of a district in that county and the rest of those on that commission, how do you combat this obviously partisan... Uh, maneuver by the state legislature? Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, the way I look at it is it's, it's actually not a rare blue thing. That, that's how we work on this, mm-hmm. uh, on this topic. It's for people to realize and, and recognize that this is about what, what are the, what's the balance of power? Mm-hmm. What should the relationship between the state and the local government look like? Mm-hmm. And how does that manifest? Because at, at the local level, we're responsible for delivering critical services, 911, police, fire, right. um, economic development, the list goes on. And, and so as the county was presented with the map that, that, that was drawn for our area, it was about having a more realistic conversation that shied a little bit away from partisanship because the actors that decided to do this map represented not necessarily just the minority of the delegation, but a minority of, of the community's opinion it, that, that transcended political lines, mm-hmm. part, partisan lines. And so that's the approach that we've taken is it's a bigger conversation. It's not about red or blue and, and drawing lines should never be about red or blue. You're right. And and here we are in 2022 having this argument about humans drawing lines on maps when, you know, we could let a computer program do this with a nonpartisan lens and we don't do it. I just don't understand how in the 21st century we aren't at that point yet where we just take this out of hands of people who have obvious biases. That's right. And the, the, the situation that we're presented here with in the county should be a canary in the coal mine. Yeah. It's the idea of when you let when when hyperpartisan politics plays a role within how we govern ourselves and how we operate, it puts us into constitutional quandaries. Mm-hmm. You know, the county is currently in a constitutional quandary. There are the the map that was passed forcing forcing me to resign two years early. Right, is short sighted because the repercussions reverberate around every corner of the state. And so until it's tackled in a way where everybody sees what role that they actually played in this, and until we excise hyperpartisanship from this process, yeah. we're going to see consequences that are going to be hard to manage. It goes beyond just representation. Representation, and you know, in this case, it's the nullification of voters. Yeah. It's a question of representation. It's all of those things. But think about what this looks like in the future. If anyone can be forced to resign at any time because of hyperpartisan reasons, that goes to how effective businesses can get their permits, how effectively they can get their permits, or whether or not a person can add something to their home. 
everything becomes everything at the local level becomes a target for partisanship. Mm-hmm. And yet, last week we have a resident and a commissioner who teamed up to file a lawsuit to get this new map recognized. Uh, resident Larry Savage uh, he refiled a lawsuit against Cobb County's Home Rule Legal Challenge over redistricting maps. His co-plaintiff in the action, Cobb Republican Commissioner Kelly Gambrell. Commissioner Gambrell, by the way, has been a real piece of work. In the first meeting of the year, January 10th, uh, she and Lisa Coop had went at it. Uh, Lisa is the uh, commission chair. Uh, Kelly did not want to recognize the currently seated board. And now here we are with this lawsuit. She even wanted a forensic audit done of the audio because she believes that there was some mishandling of going into executive session. I'm just a real piece of work. Anyway, that's a story to keep watching. We will stay in touch with, in fact, we've been in touch with Lisa Cupid and we've had Jerrica Richards on. And of course, both are welcome back on the show at any point in time. Yet another example of the crowd that yells about government overreach, liking government overreach when it's at the state level that they're in control of. Follow The Ron Show on Twitter at RonShowATL. The Ron Show on America One Radio. They go into this segment by saying, I am not an economist, but I am kind of amused that the economist pinheads, the pundit economist pinheads have been wringing their hands about recession, recession for months now. And of course, a lot of that died down after we voted in the midterms. Odd how that works. Am I right? So... (laughs) Last week, I think it was Friday, the AJC posted this article, and the, and the headline to me, I don't know, the whole thing just made me chuckle. Deeper findings, what Consumer Spending Report tells us about inflation. And of course, their, their, their thumbnail photo is of eggs, dozens of eggs, because that's what everybody's been hand-wringing about. Inflation hasn't really been what affects egg prices, though. That's the various forms of avian flu, bird flu that have uh, kind of hamstrung the chicken and the egg industry, which came first. Um, And so that's had its, anyway. So the Federal Reserve, this article starts, preferred inflation gauge ticked higher in January, a sign that price pressures remain entrenched in the U.S. economy and could lead the Fed to keep raising interest rates well into this year. Oh my God. So the Fed is going to consider continuing to raise interest rates, which is actually, if you ask me, that's, that's contributing to inflation. Like when they raise interest rates, that means it's more expensive to borrow money. And I know the thinking is, well, if, it, if, it's, if it's more expensive for the average consumer to borrow money, they'll, uh, they'll borrow less or, or, or stop hitting the credit cards up to live off of. And they're, they're trying to trigger something of a, a recession. And yet consumers are just doggedly not doing it. There's an old school mindset, I think, going on where we're looking at the historically low unemployment rate and the still somewhat high rates of unfilled jobs <laughs> and economists and HR people are all scratching their heads and shrugging going, well, what, what gives? Well, the gig economy gives, y'all. I'm sorry. I just continue to be amused by the economists and the politicians, these army of pundits who are trying to nail jello to the wall and tell us what the economy is doing and will do in the future. What amazes me is how none of these so-called experts actually, quote, know what's happening at the street level where you and I are for the working class, because so few of them actually are working class. With the workforce participation rate still in a slide, 
the post-pandemic employment still not where employers, uh, note I said employers, want it to be. These experts are scratching their heads trying to figure out how us minions are making do. The gig economy entered the chat, y'all, and they don't seem to notice. Well, I say that, and yet your state's revenue department and the IRS are ready to peer into your Venmo and cash apps to figure out where your other income is coming from. Be wary of that. Meanwhile, the Fed thinks they're slowing inflation by actually causing it by raising rates. The thought process being, quote, well, if we make it more expensive, folks will back off and then supply and demand things will happen to bring costs down. Instead, it's only running the lower end investor or home buyer off the big ticket stuff like homes and cars, clearing in the way for the institutional investors, the faceless corporations and entities to snap up investment portfolio fodder and homes that they're just going to run out for profit and then spin off years later in lesser condition. Then, then maybe the consumer, the the Joe and Jane average with their first time home buyer purchase will get to buy something and it'll be a lesser product because it was rented out before. And we're scrounging amongst ourselves, y'all, for scraps to keep pace while these pinheads try and fail to figure it all out. Because Washington's four plus decades of corporate deregulation, Main Street businesses are unable to compete anymore. And our societal fear societal fears of Big Brother are or should be transitioning into the very real horrors of big business. At least with government, we get to decide who sits on boards and in positions of authority. We have no vote who gets to be a Walton family member or who sits on the board at ExxonMobil. While the know-it-alls in Federal Reserve are deeply concerned about how we are getting by and the debt we're racking up, they've shown precious little concern, let alone pursued regulation to prevent, Big business doing the same and wrecking various parts of the domestic and global economy. I'm sorry, y'all. This stuff sort of just gets me worked up because it it just seems so obvious. And yet these folks are well-paid pundits and provocateurs and economists and data miners who are supposed to know this stuff, y'all. This is why I advocate on this show. And anytime somebody in person wanders into a political discussion with me, hey, You've been warned. Anyway, this is why I advocate for action, for awareness, for organizing, and for voting. Culturally, we go in and out of these left-right rules every two or four years, or maybe six years, and in the last 50 overall, the general direction our business and regulatory track has taken has been to the right, while our societal interests have drifted to the left, with pushback like we're seeing now from the anti-woke folks. The problem is, we're so used to instant gratification now that if we don't see immediate sunshine and rainbows, we conclude uh, this isn't working, and we vote back to the status quo leading our economy into that rightward lurch that it's been going for all of my life and a lot of yours, if not most or all of it. This is a long power struggle, y'all, and those actually in control, no matter who's in the White House or hold Congress, are mostly to the right. When we put someone from the right in office, we're just aiding them. It makes the task of bringing consumer control back to Main Street and you and I, we the people, that much harder. I'm begging you, please pay attention. Please be smart about your investments. Please advocate for collective bargaining in your workplace and for others as well. And stop fighting it if it's not involving you. 
buy a home, grow your wealth, your familial wealth, your generational wealth with that home. Even if you don't think you'll live in it more than three to five years, trust me, it will be worth it. I promise. Stop one day and look at your monthly expenses and learn what you can and should live without. I did that last month myself, by the way, impaired my monthly expenses by $200 on things I wasn't even aware I was spending them on that I realized I could do without. How often do you do this? I mean, I would suggest doing it at least once a year, if not every six months. It was eye-opening for me. I'm not going to lie. I was very stunned at some of the stuff I was still spending money on. I'm like, why am I still paying for that? It came up to like $200 a month. That's $2,400 a year. Now, what am I going to do with that $2,400? Hmm, I don't know. It's a good thought, right? Maybe I'm just going to live within my means. These are the steps we have to take to wrest our country back from the hands of corporate entities only lining their pockets, whether they succeed or fail. And they also line the pockets of those executives, whether they succeed or fail, who are no better at personal finance or business or investing than you or I are. They're just better insulated from failure because we've coughed up our sweet equity these last four plus decades into companies' profit margins and thus their golden parachutes. Wages have been stagnant while profits have continued to rise the last 50 years. The minimum wage has lost a third of its value in that time. Now a typical family in the Midwest and South has to also compete with Opendoor or Zillow or Blackstone to buy a first home and overpay to win it. Still, the Fed hasn't solved that. When are enough of us going to get sick of this and vote our way out of this 50-year funk? I get it. Not all of us are passionate about these sort of things. I'm passionate enough to pay attention to this, and I don't even have kids to leave this country and planet to, let alone a portfolio. I just don't understand what everybody else's excuse is. Oh, hey, that reminds me, by the way, I should have mentioned this from the start. I got off on this tangent, just all upset because the Federal Reserve doesn't seem to, they don't know. They just don't know. They just don't know what you and I are dealing with at street level on the ground here. Well, housing and urban development seems to. <laughs> and this probably frustrates the Fed a little bit, but so be it. This is good for people, for human beings. Lower mortgage insurance premiums are coming around. And according to the National Association of Realtors, that's going to help affordability. Uh, according to the National Association of Realtors, this will be in show notes today at ronshowatl.com. Uh, the monthly fee for FHA loans is being reduced, alleviating, quote, some of the financial stress buyers have faced from rising home prices and mortgage rates, the association says. Let me take you back about 11 years real quick. Uh, when the housing market was just, I mean, just a dumpster fire. Remember that? Uh, so it's probably been more like 12 years. Um, so they raised the mortgage insurance premium because... Uh, Freddie and Fannie, uh, the institutional lenders, they were real wary of loaning or, or backing mortgage loans because folks who were barely qualified or rushed through qualified, uh, who found themselves in the heat of a recession with a loss of income, didn't have a backup plan. And so they were underwater on loans. And so a lot of the lenders were losing their asses too, right? And folks were just losing their homes or, or vacating their homes, leaving the key in the mailbox uh, to, to get out from underneath it. Well, the mortgage insurance premium rate went up to like 0.85% uh, not long after that. So they're dropping it back down to 0.55%. And to give you an idea of what kind of savings that would be, 
let's just stick with the round number here. If you had a $300,000 home purchase coming up in the near future, that's going to save you about $72, $75 a month off your mortgage. I mean, that's that's your internet. That's your, your cell phone bill, right? That could be most, if not all, of your power bill, depending on how big of a place you're buying. That's that's how big a difference that is, y'all. Um, and if you're buying a $250,000 house, you're probably saving about $60, $62, If you're going to, obviously, you know, a, a little more expensive. I mean, $100 a month, $60, $75, $100 a month savings on your monthly budget. That's kind of a big deal. That's, you know, you could be saving seven, eight, hundred, twelve hundred dollars a year with this. It can also put you in position to uh, buy a home that's a little more valuable because now you can get pre-approved for something a little bit higher with that savings. This is a big deal. I think it's a really big deal. I'm really glad to see that uh, the Biden uh, Housing and Urban Development uh, folks have taken this step uh, to help those first-time home buyers, uh, FHA loan seekers, to get in their first home purchase. This is the sort of advantage that they now have over those institutional buyers I was talking about before that they've been competing with. And here we are heading into the hot season of the real estate market and, uh, you know, Joe and Jane, you know, family, uh, you know, with their first time home purchase, they need some advantage to have over these institutional buyers. And this is it. Very thrilled to see that. Uh, last little note for this segment, Keisha Lance Bottom is coming back to Atlanta. I mean, she's been coming back a lot anyway while serving in a White House advisory role. Uh, someone asked me earlier today, well, what are her prospects for the future? She said she's going to remain in public policy. I would say her electoral odds for doing anything beyond that, eh, kind of slim to none, honestly. I, that That's how good Mayor Dickens has been, except for the whole Cop City thing, which actually gets traced back to Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms as well. So maybe something in an advisory role or... Uh, perhaps she'll open some sort of consultancy or something along those lines. That's about all I see. It was a normal day. He was in some minor accident, a fender bender. And I had this impulse to call him, but I didn't because I thought I could call him later that week. He abandoned the car, he came home, and he shot himself without ever talking to anyone. When I came home that night and I found her, they told me that she had shot herself, and I couldn't believe it. I asked if he was okay. Taking a gun into your house uh, for protection is um, a terrible myth. Once you pull that trigger, that's it. There is no coming back. 65 Americans a day die by gun suicide. Store your gun securely, locked, unloaded, and away from ammunition. Help stop suicide. Learn more at infamilyfire.org. Brought to you by Brady and the Ad Council. I invite you to show your support for this show. If you own or manage a business that could benefit from partnering with Atlanta's only liberal progressive talk outlet, you can do that and support America One Radio and The Ron Show. We have absurdly affordable advertising packages, and you'll have yours truly working with you to craft your messaging and produce your advertising or pitch your product myself if necessary. Plus, with our social media outreach, we can bring more attention to your support of this show and America One Radio. Find out more by emailing me at theronshowatl at gmail.com or call me direct at 843-283-0078. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, 
Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Listen, it's no secret that the housing market is in fluctuation right now. We went through an intense seller's market for a little more than 18 months not just in Metro Atlanta, but throughout the United States and the state of Georgia, obviously. So now things are cooling off a little bit. Interest rates are going up. Buyers are a little more tentative. What does that mean for you if you are looking to still kind of cash in on the equity you've grown over the last few years and potentially selling your home? Well, it means that you have to hire a savvy, smart realtor, someone who knows the negotiating game and how to market your home professionally. Guess what? That's me. That's right. Not only am I the Rancho host, but I'm also a realtor with eXp Realty. Anyone with a few hundred dollars and a few weeks to get a license can list your home. It takes someone with decades of marketing experience to market your home and get it sold at top dollar. Call me. Let's discuss your options. 843-283-0078 or log on at rononthereal.com. My email address, ron at rononthereal.com. Georgia MLS 396-720. Want to be on the show? Have a cause or campaign you'd like to speak up for? Email Ron at ronshowatl.com or call 404-919-2725. The Ron Show on America One Radio. Uh, a couple other headlines I saw over the weekend that uh, were, uh, made, I guess, are a little more um, amused by these. How about the woman in Augusta who drove her SUV into a Popeye's after her order didn't come with biscuits. Dude, listen. Those biscuits are good. Don't sleep on Popeye's biscuits. Those are really good. I mean, they're very dry normally, especially on the outside, and get kind of crummy. You better have that drink with it, honey. If you're going to drive in there, get that drink too. Uh, no, I get it. Those biscuits are really good. I don't think I'd be driving an SUV into them, however, but... Oh, speaking of real estate, in case you're wondering... Joseph Martinez, no longer with Atlanta United. By the way, they won their first match over the weekend, uh, 3-1 to one over the San Jose Quakes. All right, off to a good start there with the uh, new regime. Um, Joseph Martinez put his home on the market, uh, in case you're wondering. Uh, I'll share that, by the way, on our social media. Uh, you can see for yourself, uh, at Ron Show ETL on Twitter, Ron Show Radio on Facebook, and um, I'll put it in the show notes too, ronshowetl.com. The address is 5410 High Point Road in Atlanta. So if you are kind of in that uh, two to two and a quarter million dollar range for your new home, this uh, six bedroom home with lots of wooded privacy around it and an in-ground pool, it's six bedrooms. My God. Uh, what did he need with six bedrooms? He could have half the team staying with him. Uh, anyway, uh, it's now on the market. And uh, the address again is 5410 High Point Road in Atlanta, Georgia, it's always a sad part of the, you know, transition from being hailed a hero in the sports world to moving out of your market when the star athlete puts his or her house on the market. Oh, speaking of houses on the market, did y'all not see that the story uh, recently, uh, the the Croy Beerman, Kim Zolziak uh, home was about to go into foreclosure? According to People Magazine now, uh, the home will not be sold at auction after the couple 
took action to clear that up, whatever that action may be. Anyway, according to People Magazine, the Alpharetta State of the Real Housewives of Atlanta alum and her husband, former NFL player Corey Bierman, was placed in foreclosure just last week, according to a notice shared by Fulton County. It stated that the couple had defaulted on their $1.65 million loan taken out on the property. Truist Bank planned an auction uh, to auction off all the property March 7th in front of the Fulton County Courthouse. However, last Friday, a source close to the TV star confirmed to People Magazine that the issue has been resolved, stating, quote, the couple has taken the action to clear this up. Despite how embarrassing this is, Kim has been telling anyone who will listen that this situation was just a misunderstanding with the bank. Uh, People Magazine quoting, she is telling everyone this is a misunderstanding and is being sorted out. She's not moving. All right, two more days in the month of February, and uh, we have worked to provide some Black History notes for every date on the calendar. If I missed a date, I've, I've tried to do this every single episode. It was on this date in 1869. This is important. The 15th Amendment was adopted. Congress adopted a 15th Constitutional Amendment, making it illegal for the U.S. or any single government to deny or abridge the right to vote on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Now, that led initially to some African-Americans seeking higher office and actually winning some seats at the local, state, and even at the federal level. Of course, after Reconstruction came the Jim Crow era and a whole heaping amount of intimidation tactics. Of course, we've covered some of those in some discussions earlier this month. I mean, it would be nearly 100 years later that a lot of those intimidation acts and efforts to curb participation in voting, uh, like uh, poll taxes and constitutional quizzes in order to vote, were exposed and eradicated. It was on this date in 1872 that a lady by the name of Charlotte Ray graduated from Howard, Howard Law School, becoming the first African-American lawyer in the United States. It was on this day in 1957 that Sherry Harris was born. Who's Sherry Harris, you're asking? The first out black lesbian elected to public office in 1991 in these United States. She was also, by the way, the first African-American woman on the Seattle City Council in Washington State. It was on this day in 1902 that opera singer Marian Anderson was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Anderson was entered in the New York Philharmonic Competition at age 17 by her music teacher and placed first over 299 other singers. Awarded a Rosenwald Fellowship in 1930, Anderson went to Europe for a year of study, returned briefly to the United States, but went back to Europe in 1933 to debut in Berlin and again in 1935 in Austria. In 1933, Anderson performed 142 concerts in Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Finland. On Easter Sunday in 1939, Anderson performed an open-air recital at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. We mentioned this earlier this month because it was on that date, actually. Uh, The performance was scheduled for the concert hall controlled by the Daughters of the American Revolution, but was canceled when the DAR refused to allow Anderson to sing there. Okay, that's going to wrap us up for the day. Uh, one more day in the month of February. We're back here tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or on several podcast platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, SoundCloud, still on SoundCloud. We've stayed on SoundCloud. 
Spotify and Stitcher. If you want to follow the show on any of those podcast platforms, I've got all the links for you there at ronshowatl.com. Uh, by the way, individual blogs for every show. In case you ever miss any of those shows, we've got those for you again at ronshowatl.com. Remember, you can always call the show, leave a voicemail or text message. You can do that on either case with this number, 404-919-2725. And my email is ron at ronshowatl.com. Something going on in your area of uh, Metro Atlanta or Georgia you want us to talk about? Tell me about it first, ron at ronshowatl.com. See you next time.